and here we are it's episode 12 of the pro painted podcast um so a little bit delayed again um unfortunately i ended up with a leak of all things which i had to sort out uh, delaying this episode but you lucky chaps um get the benefit because we are now recording post south coast grand tournament 2018 so we're actually gonna get some coverage of that but for this episode i am joined by the one and only ian gilmore how are you I'm good, thank you, Matt. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Great to have you on. You and you and Rob kind of fought a little bit over kind of getting on this episode, but um, I chose you as he's he's been on the previous ones. Thank you. I yeah. feel like a Pokemon. <laughs> Brilliant. You are kind of like a Pokemon, to be honest. Yeah. If you could be any Pokemon, yes. what would it be? A Psyduck. Is that one? <laughs> Okay, you are very much a Psyduck, I like it. And um, we're joined by, this is a, a interview, a hobby chat episode, and we're joined by the one and only Paul Buckle. Hello, Matt. Paul Buckle. Hello, Ian. And if you could be any Pokemon, what would you be? Um, I would be Snorlax. Snorlax, okay, that's a good shout. I think I'd be like, the is it Rhinodon? That's just cool. Cool Pokemon. Cool, okay. Um, so yeah, we've got Paul on this episode because... Um, Obviously, you're you're a great friend of ours, and um, the what, what we refer to as the Dog Father, so the head honcho of the now now famously renamed Dorset Doggers um, Wargaming Club, and um, you also were at South Coast, and you have a particular, well, you're you're very well known for cranking out great tabletop, if not better, um, tournament armies. So I think you're, you're a great addition to uh, kind of have on a little, little hobby chat thank you very much no, you're more than welcome and um, so kind of the, the usual bits and bobs we as we are as always sponsored by Mersham miniatures um so it was a great this weekend uh, south coast tim uh, fisher was uh, w- was present so I had a good chat with him um so as always go and check out their website it's mercia m-i-e-r-c-e hyphen miniatures.com um, tim was actually rocking um a complete mercia army um, I don't know if you you both seen this. Obviously, Paul, I'm sure you did. Ian, I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen the photos, but the I think yeah. I saw the photos on Twitter. It was the um, all the minotaurs. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, it was. It was a really yeah. nice army. Really, really nice. So they've got like basically like big woolly rhinos, uh, which is used as a war herd army. Uh, Chucks in some gorgons and some of their bigger monsters. Uses cygors, so used a complete 2,000 point AOS army. Um, all built out of immersion miniatures and it looked awesome really really good i really liked it i had a good good look at yeah. that over the weekend it was one of the the good ones there i would say yeah for sure for sure and um we are also sponsored by uh, the lovely curtain games uh, their web store is curtain k-i-r-t-o-n games.co.uk a particular shout out they've announced recently that they're doing a doubles event now this is going to be on the 6th of october uh, again it's one day um it's 30 pound a ticket that's for the two people um so be three games on the day um they have said they're using general's handbook 2017 or the latest at the event so obviously we've got all those reveals coming up soon so i would definitely recommend people um rock along to that i mean i will say these kind of events tend to be a bit of a filth fest i mean would you agree paul uh yeah doubles are the filthiest events you will ever go to people don't hold back at doubles at all it's it's all in yeah, definitely. And um, who, who, you're going. Who's your partner for this one? 
I am taking my um, younger brother, Mr. Richard Buckler, will be accompanying me to this one. Team Buckler. So you're going you're gonna to get a double buckle. Yeah, the Buckler brothers. <laughs> um, and um, I'm actually teaming up with Arnie again, uh, which, I'm, which I'm quite happy with. Hopefully he'll bring something better than his fucking shitty Wanderers. Um, oh, he loves those Wanderers. I'm sure they'll be back. Yeah, boring. Point and click. Well, we never know. There could be a lot of changes coming up, which, which we'll cover shortly, I guess. Um, so that's all the, all the usual usual shout outs. Um, I will say we've covered blackout Chris Tomlin of the Black Suns um, uh, event in Cardiff um, in August recently. Um, he will be closing ticket sales for that. Probably he's looking at June. So if you are interested, I'm talking to people like Ben Smith, who we chat to at South Coast, uh, John Green, um, James Hayday. Um, I think those guys are going. But if you're not, get your tickets sorted out. I think he's up to about 65, so maybe looking yeah. at hitting 70. I'd love to see more people there, 80. He's got room for 100, so the more the better. Ian, you going to Blackout? I am, yeah. Excellent. I, I'm a bit up in the air about what, I'm actually going, what army I'm going to take at the moment. You've got a fair few you well, can potentially use, though. Yes, yeah, I'm just deciding whether I want to paint something new. Okay. Or, so... Um, so I'm considering taking the Nurgle and painting a great and clean one. Or if I'm lazy, I'll just take the Iron Jaws. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue because I was just going to say, Ian, what have you been up to? Um, it's been, a, since the last spoke to you, it's been really strange. To, um, just pottering in and out of different projects. So I've carried on with the Dorsal Cane mm-hmm. and just built some witch elves and decoded them and put them to one side and I picked up Lotan, the octopus man yes. from the um, Eidneth Deepkin range and painted him for the, um, I'm not sure the official title, the is it battle role painting competition? Paint the challenge. The, yes, which is um, being arranged by um, Tom Hewitt as a side thing at the Dog is Invitational. International. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, don't use um, that. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, so it's just going to be a one-off model, that. So I've just been playing around with different techniques awesome. on it. So I've, um, I bought myself some very strange pens. They're called um, the Derwent, Derwent Graphic Line Painter, which are pens right. full of paint. Okay. Um, I bought them initially to, do, to have a go... I was hoping to be do some geometric designs with them mm-hmm. on the daughters because they should, in theory, have a very defined width because they're from a pen rather than a brush. Sure. But they're slightly too thick for that. So I've been using them for is um, putting dots on the octopus's head, just spotting, which they are brilliant for. Really, really good. Um, quite pricey, about three quid each. And I've only seen them in packs of five. Okay. That's but, interesting. but they're very, um, yeah, I, I quite like them. I think they'd be really good for 40k um, for if you're doing chaos, when you like um, where imperial markings have been sort of painted over, where you want to do something quite rough but drawn on. I think they'd be really, really good for that. Um, so I've been doing that. I've also been playing with the... Um, the gemstone technical paints. I don't know their names, um, but but they are. Um, it's really really good for 
Um, mix the them with a little bit of... No, they're really good. The mix them with a... No, no, they're really good. See, famous, <laughs> mix them with... famously, Aaron Bailey won a set of these technical paints at Boss Fest last year and put them on the fire. <laughs> Such a big fan of them. I've got them, and I keep trying to use them. Um, um, I'm, I'm you... not a fan. I've used them um, mixed with a little bit of Lamian medium. Mm. And, um, you know, that kind of, you see it in the most, either Slanesh or most recently the Eidneth Deepkin range, that kind of fade on metal going into blue or into purple. Yeah. Um, mixed with a little bit of Lamian medium, they're really good for that because they don't lose the shine of the metal. So you create the blend. It's almost like a wash. Mixed okay. with only medium. Very, very good. That's interesting. So, you'll have to um, you'll have to get some decent photos of that and share it because I'm genuinely interested to see that. Yeah, I've got three pots here. I've never even attempted to do anything with any of them, so they can be yes. used for something. Yes, like I've used it. Um, I've done purple on my lotan and on this over silver, and is one part red, one part blue, one part Lamian medium. Okay. And yeah, it yeah works really nicely. So I've been doing that. I've also randomly um, started base coating a single death guard because I want to try a odd mix of washes on him. And um, randomly doing a, some tyranids as well. So it's a bit of a mixed bag at the moment. It doesn't sound so, very random. It's, it sounds like a, a nice selection of, of projects there. Um, can we backtrack ever so slightly, um, just talking about those pens that you mentioned? Yeah. Would, do you think those would be, I know you said they're a bit thick, but do you think generally for free hands those would be useful? Probably. It depends what you're doing. Um, they, they, they comes out roughly, the nib is I think 0.5 millimetre. Mm. But once the paint actually comes out of it, it spreads to about between one and two. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so Ooh. it's so it's quite a. Um, they'd be very good for anything that's um, natural patterns, so spots, mm. stripes on, yeah. um, um, whatever. Um, if you're trying to, it's very good for potentially for blocking in colours. And then painting over the top. Right. There's potential to do quite a lot of stuff with them. Um, I, carry on. Do you get them in all the kind of traditional colours? I, th- I think there's 20 colours available. So oh. I bought the pack that's uh, there's red, pink, purple, like a cyan and a um, sort of a lime greeny type colour. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also I think there's a shades of grey, black, white, and silver. And yeah, there's, yeah, there's quite a range of different colours. Yeah, they they okay, I found them cool. quite, quite, quite interesting to do to play with. Um, I think it, as I said, mainly currently what I think of using them for is either 40k graffiti or um, natural patterns on animals. But they um, things like I think it might be really good for doing things like checks rather than using a brush. Okay, oh, so like if I was doing my Harlequins or something like that, you reckon they'd work quite well for the Potentially, cloth? yeah. Yeah, potentially. Because it's a bit more, it's just a little bit more control than a brush. But, yeah, I think it's um, Harlequin vehicles it might be really good for. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's 
some nice little tidbits there already in and something that um i definitely want you to expand on when we record next and hopefully we can get some photos um to kind of share on a, on a blog post as well just to give some examples of what you're talking about there um so that's brilliant excellent um well i'm not i'm going to be a bit cheeky um, i'm not really going to cover out what i've been up to because i'd like to cover that kind of post um discussing south coast um but kind of on that vein um if Paul, you just kind of want to kind of give us, you know, a little bit of introduction to yourself, um, you know, kind of how, how your approach to AOS has been, AOS has been, you know, kind of like who, who's Paul Buckler and why the fuck should we be listening to you? <laughs> well, should we start right back at the beginning when AOS first hit? Yeah, let's, let's go for um, it. Old school. So if you want to go proper old school, when it hit, I was straight in all the way. Loved it. Yeah. I was trying to be more polite, but yeah. Yeah, definitely polite. Uh, We've got an explicit tag for a reason, bro. uh, Fair enough. Um, Yeah, I was loving it. I didn't blink for a second from from the get-go. I loved it. I looked at it and I thought, yeah, this is going to be a good game. It's do what you want. So open to any kind of style. You can be as creative as you like. I was all over it. And then sort of as it grew, we got all the south coast points then we got a general's handbook and people at clubs started coming back into it um do you want me to go over club a bit how that kind of started as well yeah for sure you kind of yeah. how aos might have impacted that yeah i mean so started off I've, I've been playing for 30 years now i started in second edition fancy battle and kind of played for a bit and then like most people do drifted out for i don't know five ten years in the middle there somewhere hmm. Um, and then came back to it in know, sixth edition fantasy or something like that. But then AOS was the big one for me. It really changed the game. It's just not lining up and killing each other. You've got to think about objectives and other things. So yeah, I started a little club here down in Dorset, down in the back back of beyond. Um, I put an advert up on the Warhammer forum back then. I got I don't know two or three people. Yeah. And we uh, we came around to mine on the. Thursday night, I had a. I was lucky enough to have like a, a an old garage that I converted to a games room, so we had a couple of boards in there. And then AOS, Chris's first event down in Weymouth. I met you boys. <laughs> we won't go over our first meeting pre that, but um, yeah, uh, we kind of just clicked, I guess, didn't we? Would you say? Yeah, I think it was one of the. It was one of those things where you bring together kind of some different groups. I mean, this this still was a stage when the Black Sun had that that kind of reputation and maybe that need to kind of live up to the the party boys kind of messing about yeah. dickheads fun fun group. But I think it was just kind of starting to work its way out. Yeah, you had eas- you were easing down definitely. It yeah. was nothing like in your heyday, I wouldn't no. say. No, yeah, no. I, I would I would totally agree with that. And a fair play to to Chris because it was it was him that kind of following that event he, he he took the leap and went up to went up to your club and yeah kind of broke his way in there and um, I followed you um, followed him and then that was it really we were just so wowed that we we got you know our, our local our, our chaps you know in, involved 
and yeah, it kind of went from there. So, I mean, it's not a case that, you know, the, the Black Sun and the wider groups of the Sigbra guys um, kind of regularly visit the club, but they most certainly do. No, make, you make drop semi-regular I mean, you're, you're a regular. I would yeah. say you're a regular. Yeah, 100%. Um, Chris is reasonably regular, but the other guys kind of drop in as and when. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, and most certainly from from what i've seen you you've developed a reputation very quickly of i mean ha, first off worth mentioning is what's your approach to models paul you know you, you have quite an extensive um painted collection of figures and I, i'm well known for being one of those people who paint an army and you know once bored with it pretty much sell it on but you've got a bit of a different take you've, you've said a word there that i just don't understand matt <laughs> and that, what's that what would that be selling selling models yeah that, that just no you don't don't do that no you might swap them for no. other models but you don't sell them oh. once oh. you've got them well, why would you want to do that you've painted them or you spent all that time yeah i know oh. but i like putting money into other stuff to be honest i mean my, my cathergal is oh. going to be sold shortly um still sat in a box not doing anything that, that's that's the next for the scrap heap now the zinch is finished spoilers um but yeah, no, that's. I don't know anybody else that does that. The idea that you basically got every model you've ever painted, um, and you've yeah. also got it on shelves all the way around your gaming room. It's uh, well, yeah, inspiring. you want to. You've got to be able to get access to it so you can use it, haven't you? If you yeah. put it in a box under your bed, you're never going to be using it. I think it's it's yeah. a, it's a hundred percent. It's completely um, amazing um that you've done it and and visually it just looks awesome um and it's kind of that kind of goes hand in hand with most certainly how i see you approach things so you are you you crank out armies at a phenomenal rate i mean there's only people like ben johnson that even remotely come anywhere near kind of your output armies wise um what's your kind of ethos with um with, with armies um, well, I don't like playing with grey plastic is the honest answer to that. Yeah. Um, so therefore, if I've got an army, and I usually buy an army, I don't buy a unit at a time kind no. of thing. It's usually I, I want to play like Deepkin. Yep. Uh, the only reason that I'm doing a unit at a time is because they're being released a unit at a time. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'd have just bought a Deepkin army and, got it done. and then I'd be playing with it. That is, um, is, is, that's incredibly commendable. Um and we'll kind of get on to a little bit of your, your, your prep for South Coast, but um, it's, it's going to be great to kind of understand how you kind of get over this this horror that is grey plastic armies. Um, so what we'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll just quickly, I don't want to, it's tough because the timing of, uh, of us recording, but we've obviously had some really big news um, big, over the last big, couple big of years. Big, so, we have tricky ground for us because we are ultimately a hobby podcast i don't want to just say painting because you know that there's more to what we do and what we cover and what we enjoy just than putting more paint on models but um yeah wow um crazy times for aos um coming up we've got uh, an announcement that there's going to be a new core book um which is quite big uh, something interestingly it's not really everyone kind of focuses on the rule changes and everything like that but we're getting a rule book um which is going to be an actual you know a solid army 
book kind of thing. You know, it's going to be a full rule set. Um, it's going to be fl- it's going to be fluffed out with backgrounds. Uh, we're going to have new Grand Alliance traits in there. Um, obviously, we're going to have an update to the rules. But AOS has never had a rule book. We've had a four page sheet of rules, which has then been expanded on by by the General's handbooks. And then alongside that, we are still getting the 2018 General's handbook. So we've got all this. That's awesome. That's some big news. And now we've got we've got all the reveals for the new what's going to be the new starter set and the new factions. So we've got the new Nighthorn releases. We've got the new uh, is it Sacrosant? Is it Sacrosant Chamber open? Yeah, up sac- Sacrosant Chamber. Yeah, yeah. yeah, open up for the Stormcast. So we've got all this going on. So how how are you guys? You know, firstly, Ian. It, obviously, you, you you've seen everything that's going on. How how is that making you feel about your your hobby plans? And you've got any extra juices flowing from all these all these lovely releases? It's making me worried I'm going to have a hobby wobble. Right. Which which is because um, I, I, it's a bad time because I'm half, halfway through a project. Yeah. I would have loved to be at the end of a project with all this stuff being released because I'd potentially start a night horned army, I think. Mm. The Stormcast don't really do it for me. They, no. never, they never really have. Um, it's, I don't know, just like, I don't know, just for whatever reason, haven't really grabbed me. But all the Nighthorn stuff is just ridiculous. And all all the models that have got horses now, <laughs> the way the horses have been picked, the, the Nighthorn stuff with the horses where they painted the ribcage and it's kind of... Yeah. It's, the, the, it's almost like the... It's the skeleton there. It's got the ectoplasm over the top of it. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. I love it all. But yeah. um, No, I agree. The the photos of the release of the horses where you can literally obviously previously maybe before the times of 3d sculpting uh, you would end up with you know uh, some bones sticking out of uh, a bit of a, uh, a yeah. horse flesh or whatever but now you can literally see like the you can almost see the layers over the rib cages and stuff so yeah. I, I get what you mean I, about that i think it's the mounted nitro shrouds yes where the, the horse is getting progressively more filled in Mm. Yeah. towards the the rear to the was the hind legs whereas the front legs are quite still like bone and oh, it's just really it's a really good sculpt and a really good paint job so yeah so i'm quite tempted by that so i'm hoping to stay strong and um just stick with the daughters stick with the plan yeah stick with the plan awesome um i can kind of guess what the answer is paul but what about yourself i mean just talking kind of from projects wise anything grabbing your attention um from the new book, see, I've never done a Stormcast army. Yes, you have. Uh, I, not a well. I, I did the Lightning <laughs> Echelon, which yes. was kind of a very small part of a storm. Not a full Stormcast army, and uh, I've never done done a Death army either for AOS. I've mm. got the models; they all just need rebasing. But yeah. I've never actually done done an army, um, and I'm kind of split between the two. I like some bits out of both. I mean, the Death guy with that. With the hangman, yeah, it must yeah. be like a that guy is just amazing. I love him. I think he's the best, or my favourite, not the best, out of all of the the new picks I've seen. And the stormcast, I'm I like the mage on the what's it, the Palador's steed, whatever they what do they call those the the steeds they ride on? I can't remember. Uh, neither can I. Griff, uh, Griff Charger. Griff Charger. He looks really nice. Yeah, I, the. The Stormcast model I like is the um, the lady with the soul hoover. 
Oh, the the Ghostbusters kind of one. Yeah, I like yeah. the phrase. That's that's it. That's just become a uh, that's that, thing. Soul and Hoover. It, the, it's the Ghostbuster model. Yeah. Soul yeah. Hoover. And um, you've got the um, I coined the phrase with the uh, with one of the new, they've done a War Skull preview of um, the uh, one of the new Stormcast models, which basically has um, uh, crystals which she can which she can explode, which Scott has referred to as Jo crystals, um, which is an in joke which I'm not going to explain. Just for those, um, but uh, I've described it as she's got a solar side vest, so she just runs up, <laughs> <laughs> just smashing crystals into herself and just yeah, take everyone out. Oh dear. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's. I'm really like AOS for me has been a great journey so far. I mean, we're two years into it. Um, I've pretty much been kept um, interested throughout. I mean, I won't lie. Um, I'm so I'm kind of a little bit stuck because uh, Jen, my wife, she uses my my Stormcast army, which she has continued to break, which is not so fun. But she keeps snapping stuff off. Um, so I've kind of I'm less enthused to do the Stormcast side because um, I have to do basically a whole new army, um, and she new, none of the new stuff really appeals to her. She's enjoying using what she's got, but the Night Haunts are actually quite appealing. Um, and actually Jen's kind of indicated that she quite liked it. She was actually talking to me about colour schemes, going, oh, I could do this and paint it like this and paint it all ghosty. So I, I may well start a little side project with her um, to kind of maybe paint up her own army because um, I think it's a great army for something like that. She doesn't have to go too crazy for it. Um, and no no offence intended, but Ricky uh, Ricky's death army being a good example of that, you know, she, she can get to use the airbrush and give that a go. Be quite interested to try the new paints as well. Yeah, so that's something I wanted to mention. So the, the, those have been those have been teased. We've got two new technical paints coming. Uh, basically, um, from what I've been told, is you've got basically a green one, which is like a fluorescent green, which is designed to be go. It's uh, it's it's a strongly pigmented wash, um, which goes over a white base coat to kind of give you that ethereal look. And there's like a grey one to kind of give you this kind of drabber. Um, yeah, the- the grey one really interests me because it's something you've not really seen before, isn't it? Yeah, and that's over a black undercoat as well. So that's those are going to be very interesting. So I'm quite keen to kind of get my get my grubby little mix. Yeah, well, if that goes over a black, it must have come some sort of lighter pigment in it. Then I guess to pull it back up to grey. Yeah, potentially. So again, like you say, it's going to be maybe it kind of has almost like a chalky effect or something. Yeah, well, that'd so, be interesting. Another tool to kind of play around with. Um, but yeah, I mean, so a lot of exciting stuff to come. Great for the podcast as well, because we're able to talk about all this awesome new AOS stuff. And we're all looking at this end of June, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, not far away, is it? It's really, really not far away at all. So we're going to take a little break there, and uh, then we're just going to crack on to the meat of the show. Um, we'll be right back. And we're back. So um, basically, we're going to have a little bit of a hobby chat with Paul. Um, and really, the thing that I've always found very inspiring um, is the way you kind of approach kind of the army building side of it. You always tend to be quite unique uh, around the armies that you use. I mean, what's your what's your thought process behind um, choosing an army before you even get it on the battlefield? Um, I don't like to do armies that other people are doing is the honest answer to that. Yeah. I like to be I like to do something that people look at and go, Ooh, I've not seen them on the table before or very few of those armies. So things like when I first did the Witch Elves way back in what was that? 
not last year, the year before. Yeah. Nobody was using them at all at that point. Yeah, they really weren't. Um, so I just literally spotted a formation in, it was actually in the old um, compendium war scrolls for those. Um, and I thought, oh, that looks quite fun. I'll do that. So I got out. My, and, and the other thing is, because I've got quite a lot of models, I can look along my shelves and go, well, I've not seen those on the table. What can I do with them kind of thing? Yeah. So for that that side of the list building, it's a question of I'll get those off the shelf and dust them down and see what I can do with them. Um, I want to be I want to make my opponent think I want them to get to the table and go, I don't know what any of that stuff does. I'm going to have to sit here and ponder for a while before I do anything at all. And then when they leave the game, they'll go, oh, that was a really good game. I want to play that army again. Right. Okay. So the kind of the gaming side of it and being unique is a, is a very important aspect of kind of deciding to put effort into doing an army then for you. Yeah, absolutely. If 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 I did an army and then two weeks later there were half the field doing that army at an event, I would put it back on the shelf and do something else because right. I wouldn't want to be turning up with the same army as a, as twenty other people at the event. No, well, that's very understandable, particularly if you kind of have that that ownership of an army, you're using something unique and you don't like the idea of being imitated. And is there anything particularly you tend to gravitate towards? Any any kind of, um, you know, do you, do you particularly like a strong combat army, shooting army, magic, bit of everything, or no, do you just tend to change? I, I swap around all the time. So those of you who follow the rankings will see that I have the changeling icon, which is the most different armies used during a season. So yeah. this year, my aim is to use a different army at every event I attend. So it means I'm going to have to paint three or four armies for the year, I expect at least, but I can also get some of those armies that have been sat on the shelf for a while out and uh, give them a run as well. And um, have you? do you think that's, that's doable for the year? Have you kind of decided which army you're going to be taking I've, to each event? Yeah, I've got a list. And I know what I'm taking at the moment. Um, it might change because something new might come out and then I'll paint that up and use that for a forthcoming event. So the Deepkin have been added, for example. Sure. They're going to be going to Facehammer. Um, that'll be the first and only run out for those guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's the theory. I want to try and get as many different armies out there as I can this year. Awesome. Awesome. And... So let's go to the next step. So you've chosen your army. Uh, you've got a unique army. You're probably not going to get many practice games in with it in its plastic stage because that's not how you roll. How do you how do you approach the idea of right, I want to get this army painted so I can play with it? How do you how do you roll? For me, my first thing is I want to do one test model and I want to get the color scheme right because for for me, a lot of my armies, I would say the best bit about it is the color choice. Mm-hmm. It might not be the best painted. It might not be the best converted but I like to get a good color scheme on those models that people will look at and go, it's a bit different or it stands out or it just works really well. So I think the best choice I've made in recent years was my overlords with that red and yellow scheme I did on them. The marigolds. Yeah. With the marigolds. I think that worked much better than I ever hoped it would. When I first sort of did the, the, the test model, I was happy with it. But once I started doing the big boats and everything else, it worked really, really well. Yeah. So you, you think that's kind of your, your strength, really, is that you, you choose a colour scheme that you feel is going to be striking and maybe complements and maybe contrasts well with itself so that you can 
kind of concentrate more on getting the army finished, you know, to, to a good yeah. tabletop standard, rather than worrying too much about, you know, fannying about with the details, for want of a better phrase. Yeah, I, I think get, getting that scheme, getting a good base, so a base that works with that scheme as well is important. Because okay, if, yeah. if if you paint paint your models in a striking scheme and then give them a rubbish base, it doesn't work. You've got to get that, and maybe that's part of the, the scheme as well. Getting the base all in one. So, for example, you paint a model in sandy browns. You don't want a sandy brown base because it just doesn't stand out at all. No. Um, so therefore, you want something that's going to make it pop. So maybe you put, for example, my fire slayers which have got bright orange hair, I've put them on ice bases because mm-hmm. the two contrast each other quite well. Um, so that would be probably part of the whole scheme thing. And that lets me then concentrate on the basics, so base colours and washes, without having to go any further than that and get them on the table. Sure. But I do know you have... Frust- Sorry, Ian, gone. Do you have fixed recipes for different colours, Paul? So if, you, uh, if you're going to do... Oh, so, so, you're, so Well, you're like me, Ian. I paint straight out of the pot. <laughs> yeah. Not recommended, <laughs> not recommended, not pro-painted recommended. <laughs> do you do you use the same... If you paint in yellow, for example, and on a different project, would you use the same recipe? Yeah, yeah pretty so much. So it would always be the same, yeah. So, so that red I did for the, for the overlords, I've used on the corn knights and the corn warriors I did, for example. It's the same red, it's the same yeah. base, it's the same... Highlight colour, it's the same wash. So you, you don't have to think about that. No, you just need to I think go, that you want to paint it red. Yeah. And then. And I've only, yeah. like, things like gold, I only ever paint one way, which is the same way I've always done it. Um, I suspect there are other ways that could look just as nice or nicer, but it works for me, so I stick with it. So how have you found, um, so, sorry, something I was actually going to quickly say is, I know you've a bit run afoul uh, of basing um uh, recently, because you're so proficient painting armies, a lot of people don't tend to have this particular issue. But I know that you want all your stormcast to be on quite and storm stormcast, all your order armies to be on quite similar bases. Yeah. So how have yeah, you so, kind of got around that than being on similar bases but still looking like a joint army? It okay. So it's an, for me the, we have to have coherent bases if you go to an event. Yes. Your army has to be coherent. Um, so for example, my Deepkin are on the same bases as my Overlords, as my Stormcast. And it's a good generic base. I've got like this, what would you call it? Ruined Temple kind of paving slab effect with um, little tiny like bushes and and fern type things. So I've tended to add one element to the base that kind of ties to the army. So the Overlords have got red flowers on them. The well, the deepkin actually all those little fish that come with them. Mm-hmm. I think they might work as the element that ties them together. Ah, oh, good idea. Yeah. Um, and then the the sylvaneth. I I did a really interesting thing. I've got Afro sylvaneth. So I dipped all of like the <laughs> just realised what you meant then. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah. The the you know like on the tree they've got all those spiny bits that come up off the top, which is supposed to be the hair. Yeah. I kind of dip the end of those into PVA and then put them into like this green scatter flock stuff. And when I did it, first of all, I was like, oh my God, this looks dreadful. But then it kind of molted after a couple of days and yeah. thinned out. And it looks it looks decent now. It kind of ties it all together. And I put that on the, the bases as well. So it's the same base with one added element that ties it to the army. 
yeah, which I think is that's definitely the way to approach it. So it was interesting but to. Uh... It doesn't work for everything because those fire slayers, I don't think I can take off of the ice bases and put onto them. No, because you'll lose that I contrast between the model and the bases. I don't think they'll work, which is. I, I do have a bit of a peeve about the, the, the cohesive bases in some ways for allies. Yeah. I know why it's there. It's to stop people just borrowing stuff off of their mates and just putting it all together in an army. Yeah. But. Sure. When it's a whole allied contingent, I kind of feel, well, they're actually not the same army. They're another army that have come and joined these guys. So why would they look identical to the, go- the guys that have come and joined? Yeah, no, I, I, to be honest, I, yeah. I, I do agree. I think, sure, if you want to put them all on the same basis, fine. Yep, it looks better. You know, it looks coherent across the army. I agree it's the right thing to do. But for an event-wise, should you lose out points for it, uh, because you're taking the hit because visually it's not going to look as coherent. The, the answer is no, you shouldn't. So I, I would totally agree with you and anyone kind of listening to this that is running events. I would recommend that as as a change. I think it I'd, is very valid. I th- I'd quite like the if you had if you the allies and the main part of the army don't have to be coherent, but everything that is an ally has to be coherent. Yes, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a really so good way so of saying it. So it's kind of the so you don't have just have a mix and match of the best stuff borrowed from all sorts. No, but if you have like four hundred points of fire slayers, they're all based the same. That would be fine. Yeah, I think it's kind of the middle ground. I agree. Maybe I don't know if you're, it's your plan, but maybe you should bring that up for the. Uh, um, now we call it, it the name of the event is the uh, Dogger Invitational. So it's an event Paul's running in June. The reason why I've referred to it early as the International is thanks to the Mitzi and Jimbo show, uh, whereby they consistently refer to it as the International. So, so well, but the trouble is, it's, it's given me ideas for next year now. Yeah, that's the trouble. But what about this year? Do you think you might let you might embrace that for this year? I mean, it's not, it shouldn't make any difference now if you allow people to do so. I I haven't released the final version of the pack, so that could well in. go into the final version of the pack. I don't see any reason why it couldn't go into that. At yeah, all. I'd do it. You know, make make the step be because make it, the step be bold. I mean, how many people are you looking at for the event now? Thirty six, I think yeah. we've got. So it's not a small so... it's not a small event at all. Um, and you know, maybe we'll have a quick word with um, from Chris over at the Black Sun about blackout, and maybe maybe he'll embrace that as well. Let's make it a thing. Let's let's raise the point. Chris Chris and bases. Yeah, we'll sit. We'll we'll talk to him. We can ask a question, eh? All we can say is no. Yeah. Well, fuck off, mate. It's my event. Do whatever the fuck yeah. I want. <laughs> but it would mean you'd probably have to bring your fire slayers as allies, though. Yeah, just kind of prove well, I, no, Fetty's going to blackout, so I can't. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, that's something. Yeah. Fun, that was literally perfect timing because something I wanted to bring up was um, so you, you you've specifically mentioned there about the fact you use the same colours across the board. You paint metals the same way. Um, so Fetty, for those who haven't been following, it's an abbreviation of our Firestorm campaign, which is called From Emma to Inferno. Um, each of us is taking a different um, uh, Grand Alliance. So I'm on Chaos with my Disciples of Zinch. We've got Chris on Order uh, with his Phoenix Temple. We've got Aaron Bailey, who is running, well, <laughs> poor him. Um, it's kind of been yeah. into Legions of Nagash. And now we've got Nighthorn releases. And then obviously yourself, you are running a Destruction Army, which is Forest Goblins. Um, Spider Fang. Spider Fang, sorry. And um, it's been interesting because I know that you, you've taken this as an opportunity to kind of maybe change that approach slightly than what you have just mentioned. So what, what have you done with this, this different opportunity? Okay, so we came up with this 
I wouldn't say challenge, but idea of us, for, the four of us, me, you, Aaron, and Chris doing this Firestorm campaign. Mm-hmm. And we were going to paint a new army each. And I'm like, great. So you've got you, won major tournaments with your painting. You've got Chris, major tournaments with his painting. Aaron, <laughs> Aaron Aaron's won some decent awards he with has. his painting. And you got me. And I'm like, cool, this is going to go well, isn't it? So I thought, I've got to up my game here and see what I can actually do. So I picked the spider fang because I like big spiders and I could see opportunities to make them look kind of like centerpieces almost. For sure, yeah. Um, and I also wanted to try to push myself to try to well, not keep up with you guys, but at least not look like the idiot in the corner who can barely <laughs> hold a brush um so i thought right each section we do throughout the the the, the months i'm going to try to do a different technique so month one was just about painting in well not individual models but small units as well as i could so that was just 15 spiders in the boss i think i did month one yep now, so that was you- all about about find that. sitting down and actually going right take your time here at least two highlights make sure you don't go out of the lines anywhere because i am a bit bad for being a bit scruffy and just washing over it to cover it up so this time get some new brushes get some because i'm terrible for collecting old brushes and just scrabbling away with them and paint them properly so i did yeah, and I think they came out quite well. So, how did you approach kind of painting them properly, opposed to your your, your previous kind of uh, approach to painting? How how does that differ? So, instead of just base colours, washing them, job done. It was now base colour, wash, highlight, second highlight, maybe even third highlight. Mm-hmm. It was actually paint the eyes on your models because I never paint eyes on my models. No, I just can't be bothered is the answer for that because it takes my hands are dreadful i've got big pudgy fingers and (laughs) painting eyes is just my idea of a nightmare right it'll take me 20 goes because i'll paint paint it and i'll miss so i've got to tidy up where i've missed i'll do it again and i'll miss again so yeah it's just no it's not something i enjoy at all so what do you do probably normally just wash it and leave it yeah so so for my if i was painting a what i would call tabletop standard it would be paint all of the areas inside the lines and then wash it. And the, I know that the wash will hide a bit of your scrappy painting. Yeah. So if you miss a little bit, I don't worry about it because I'm going to chuck some wash on there and I know it'll cover it over. Um, and then I'll go back and anything that's really badly washed. So, you know, sometimes if you chuck it on, it pulls a bit. Yeah. I might have to tidy that up. But apart from that, that's about all I do. Oh, okay. Um uh, but for this, I'm actually going. I, I I wouldn't. I might dry brush over a wash. To be fair, depending on the model. So if that's an easy job, I'll do it that way. Yep. Um, saving time. Make sure you use the right undercoat and base coat. So if you're painting something green, undercoated in green. Um, that kind of thing speeds up your, your painting process to get an army on the table really fast. Yeah, definitely. One of the biggest things I would say is utilize your time properly if you're trying to get an army on the table reasonably quickly. So if you've got half an hour in the morning, just do something that takes half an hour. 
I'd wash models in the morning. So in the evening, when I come back to them, I can just go dry brush, next color, wash that kind of thing. Right. It's all about time management. I know some people are won't won't do anything early doors, and it's all in the evenings. Well, if you've got to wash your entire unit, for example, you're just sat there unable to do anything else for 30 minutes, an hour, however long that takes. Yeah, yeah, definitely right about that. Yeah. Um, but for go back to Fetty and pushing myself, I would say month one was just painting it to a higher standard. So getting those highlights and, and, and all the other things onto them. And then month two was, we call it kit bashing. I don't think I'd call it conversion, but the big red spider I did. Um, so I had him like straddling a pool of lava. I was like, well, this is nice. And then I can't remember who it was who said about the lava underneath should have that OSL effect. I think it was spider. Aaron. I think it was Aaron. It was Aaron. And I was like, this sounds as if it could be a bit tricky, but it's all about pushing myself. So I went for it and it came out reasonably well, I think. You can, it's, it's quite subtle. And unless you're looking for it, I don't know if you'll spot it, but hopefully people will when they look at the army and it's finally on the table. So that was my kind of skill I learned for month two. Yeah. And then month. Go on, Ian, sorry. How do you do the glow, Paul? Or is it just dry brushing? It's just dry brushing. Um, okay. And you kind of pick the bottom colour. So it's lava. So it was like the lowest red in that lava I used. Like yeah. I really like dry brushing that. And then you just go through the the colours of the color. lava. Yeah. Up, up until the like the top colour. And then you go, I think I probably did two or three. And these were mixes rather than straight out of the pot because you have to mix to get it of the of the top color i went a bit higher but i don't think i used white i used like i think i used like pallid witch flesh to to top the yellow up Um, so it wasn't really strong and then the other thing i did was where like the feet were on the rocks i used non oil to do a darker shadow like away from the the center oh you know what i mean so it actually casts a shadow on the rock that you can yeah physically see and i think that helped a little bit with the the effect of it yeah, it's like the opposite. Yes. Yeah. You darken down just a little thin strip as if the legs casting a shadow, but it where you do it around three or four legs, it kind of gives that impression of the light and the glow from the lava. Yeah, that sounds really good. Um, and then months. Then I went on to I oh I did um I did Sebastian for month month two, so that's a <laughs> <laughs> a big green spider that was just going to be a spider. And I did freehand banner on that. That was my skill, was doing freehand on the banner. Uh, so I paid him all up. And he looked, I was quite happy. The freehand wasn't amazing, I have to say. I don't think that's my area of expertise at all, and I'm not. It's, it's very, it did all right. It's very good. I think you don't, don't undersell yourself there, mate. It's a very uh, nice bit of freehand. I, it, it's not something I would want to do a lot of because it took me ages to do it. I had to keep going over it and over it until I got it. Um, but then Chris decided that my spider looked quite like a crab. So me being me and Chris being Chris, there was a discussion about putting big claws on it. So I had to source some big claws. So guess which person was lucky enough to have a big pair of tyrannid claws lying around? I think you might have already spoiled this. It was an Ian Gilmore. It was, yeah. So luckily Ian posted them down to me and they were added to the spider and it's 
looking at actually it, it does work yeah i think it looks weirdly really, it works really well really really well it makes it look very unique and um, um and then month three month three is my favorite month of petty so far by a mile i decided i want to make one of the spiders lay eggs so i had to work out how you get like the goop that you would get when a spider's laying eggs yeah Damn and I tried like googling stuff and nothing really came up. So I was like, right, okay. So I know PVA is going to go like drip, but when it drips, it's going to just fall off and disappear. So I covered it in PVA, but then I came up with this idea of chucking super glue on the top so it would set. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of worked. It just kind of set it in like this bubbling, oozing way. But the trouble was, it was still, would you say it looked quite snow-like, Matt? Yeah, it did. Interestingly, I have actually seen that technique done once before, of all places, on Pinterest. Somebody did it for Nurgle bases. Okay. So, yeah, it looked like snow. So I was like, well, it doesn't look rubbish, but it doesn't look quite how I wanted. It was like white and crystallised, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I got, I thought, oh, well, okay, I want it to be goopy. So Nurgle's, as you've just mentioned, a good place to start. Nurgle's rock. So I just literally whacked a load of green Nurgle's rot on there. (laughs) And it just looks horrific now. Not horrific like it looks rubbish, but just horrifically graphic. Yeah. I don't know. It just looks... I remember showing the photo to Jen and the reaction was, that's just horrible. So it's like like, exactly what Paul's after. It looks like the spider's like just sneezed this big oozing wall of snot all over its eggs or something, (laughs) I would say. It's just, yeah, it just, it came out. And it's it's the best one I've done of the three so far, I think. Yeah. What um, what do you use for the eggs, Paul? Um, so I bought some beads. You can get yeah. Now go on, Matt. Make your joke before I get too Anal far. beads. Bought these bought these beads Anal on beads. the internet. Um, like necklace beads. They've got a hole through the middle, and oh, that right, let yeah. me that let me put a, like a a rod through them, so I could get a line of like three or four actually coming out of the abdomen as if they're being laid like yeah. vertically. Um, Good idea. So that worked really well. And then I just had to fill the holes in with a bit of green stuff. And by the time you covered them with a PVA and all the, the Nurgle's rock, you just can't see the holes in the the eggs as they were now. Yeah, and then I had a little, little guy that goes on the back of the spider, one of the guys that loads the flinger, I think, if you put them on there. And he's carrying like a big spider ball thing. Yeah. So I painted him up as if he's in the nest grabbing an egg out of there. So he's hiding in underneath the spider. Um, I think the base, it still needs some work because there's a bit of a gap on the base. Um, so I think I could add some more maybe goblins at some point around there just to fill that in. That's a good idea. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the actual, the actual pose is my favourite of the three so far. Do you mean the way that they're spaced out on the base you feel like? Yeah. Not... So like, there's I think there's like six goblins, but it looks like you could fit eight or ten on the base where they're surrounding the, gobl- the spider as it's laying its eggs, kind mm. of prodding it. I think it could just use a few more. And I've got loads from the other kits I've got, so it's not a, a problem. I can put them on there. No, that's awesome. Brilliant. What we'll do, actually, I'll, I'll get some... Um, I'll compile photos of your your army and what you're talking about there and get that up in a blog post to go alongside this when we uh, when we put the episode out on Friday. Um, and is that that's all your plans for um, so far in the campaign? Is that right? Uh, so I've, I've got one more spider to do. Um, I've got some more little spiders, but that the little spiders will once again just be 
back to where I was for month one. So probably this month isn't going to be much of a push for me in terms of new skills. It's just a question of I have to get these done to fulfill the requirements we need for the campaign. And then next month is the last spider. And I've really this is the one that I would say is converted rather than kit bashed. Yeah. Um, I don't want to give too much away because I don't think I've put any spoiler pictures up on Twitter or anything yet. No, I think you've been quiet um, on that front. But I think if you keep your eye out next month, you might see how I've gone about my final spider of the four. Ooh, a little teaser from Paul there. Yeah, awesome. there you go. So, yeah, it's, it's great to hear that you've had kind of a very specific approach to um, kind of like a hobby ethos, really, not using grey plastic models, choosing unique lists, um, painting your models almost in kind of a methodical manner and you know having the confidence just to go and know these i know this works i'll do a test model that works well i'll make sure i consider my basing then you've also done something like fetty where you to be honest you've still consistently um finished each month ahead of the rest of us um and i'm also somebody who has a lot of time to kind of do hobby and, and paint so that's impressive in and of itself is kind of being even more productive than i am and then, you know, but you've also managed to kind of embrace going, oh, you know, uh, this is a bit of a chance to to try try some new and new and fresh things out. So that's awesome. Um, so we're probably going to backtrack very slightly. So um, what I wanted to mention is we've obviously this is a great example of we've got South Coast GT, uh, which was last weekend. Uh, and in the run up to that. So, you, again, saying the fact that you want to take something different. What was your what was your plan for South Coast? So for the last, I don't know, two or three events, maybe, yeah, two or three events, I've taken my Chaos Nightlist in a different form. So I started off at Paddy's with Slaves to Darkness, which was just bog-standard Chaos Knights. And that was and taken, to be clear. Yes, sorry. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I took Corn Knights to the uh, War Chiefs, uh, the Champ Invitational. Yeah. Um, and then I took... Uh, Nurgle Knights to Workshops Heat 2. And I think I might have used them in one of the doubles as well. But the thing with taking them to a workshop event is they probably won't get listed as Nurgle. They tend to put you down as, like, just your Grand Alliance. Yeah. So, therefore, I had... Yeah, so, therefore, I I, I was figuring, right, I'll be Nurgle for, for this, and then I'll be Chaos for that. So, that's where the different allegiance comes in. And then for South Coast, I was going to go Zinch awesome so yeah. what elements did you need to add so you kind of had the core of an army uh, so yeah. what, what did you need to add to the zinch army to make it a zinch army so for zinch and it being south coast you've got to filter up a little bit <laughs> so six sky fires and the sky the shaman were uh, added to my list for that so uh, i had had to paint some sky fires fair enough i mean i will say from experience six sky fires they're not that filth they're good they're not that filthy but, um, uh, yeah, I'd agree. After playing them, they're. I think when you push nine that. or so, that's when you. Yeah. That's when you hit the filth in a unit, in a single unit for those for those who want to know. Um, but Skyfires are one of those units that are quite notorious um, for kind of getting on the tabletop. So how did you approach these? Did you did you change your methods at all? Uh, no. So these were done as tabletop because I had all the fatty stuff to do, and Deepkin had arrived at the same time. Yep. So I was trying to get some Deepkin on the board. I was trying to do some Fetty, and I had these guys to do. So they, I painted them in, I, I presume everybody does this, you paint the guys off the top of the discs in separate pieces. You don't put them together as one just because it's easier. I did do that myself. Yeah. Um, so I painted 
literally sprayed them all bolt gun metal because most of them is going to be a silver of some sort. Um, so I sprayed them all bolt gun. I tidied up with the, out the pot with a brush for any bits I missed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they just got washed on oil for the discs and then dry brushed back with Necron. And then I added the gold onto some of like the, the obvious areas that you would paint gold, I guess, right, that, okay. that, like, where there's a bit of trim. And then the guys on top that I followed what I did for my Chaos Marauders painted them exactly the same way so the, the all the armor was was the undercoat washed known oil with a dry brush and then the skin is a, a recipe i do for for them and then just red on the other bits and that's all i did for them i didn't do anything flash or fancy and they look okay they blend in with the knight's army which is all i wanted sure and i think it took me I say four nights, three nights, something like that, just to get six Skyfires done. Still mad to think about it, isn't it? Like, you know, you've not painted them, you know, to your admission to, to kind of even your higher tabletop standard and still managed to take you four evenings to uh, to get to that, just to show the, the amount of the amount of detail on yeah. those models. It, well, it's, it, and it's about time. As I said before, it's all about time. So I don't play computer games. I'm not here on Call of Duty or whatever. If I want to get an army painted, I put the time aside to paint the army. Mm. And I think that's that's half the battle. Is yeah. If you've got the time and you want an army painted, you've got to dedicate that time to it. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely, you know, we've kind of covered before the idea that those that can tend to produce a lot of painted miniatures are those that tend to have a plan, you know, and they will organise their time and, you know, dedicate to doing what they need to do. And to be honest, it's kind of what I ended up doing. So, you know, obviously you, you've added to your Zinch army, you've brought it up to the event, whereas my journey with my Zinch has been a little bit different. Um, yeah. Um, so for, in the run-up to South Coast, um, I, I, I was fortunate in the with the doubles event at Warhammer World earlier this year, I was pushed to paint my six Skyfires and uh, my Zangor Shaman for that. So basically what it allowed me to do is to move away from my, my uh, softer kind of fatty campaign army when we're talking screamers of zinch um you know fate master and magister really i'd love to say you could use them in a, in a competitive list but you really are hamstringing yourself for absolutely no gain whatsoever um so i got my skyfires done i got my shaman done so ahead of ahead of considering south coast um i was also lucky that i'd put enlightened well i had not lucky but you know, Enlightened aren't considered a top tier choice. A lot of people tend to still go Skyfires over them. Um, so I had three painted up for the campaign. So for last month's um, campaign allowance, I, I popped the unit up to six. Um, I also painted up the the second unit of, of Pink Horrors, uh, which the Pink Horrors were a little bit a little bit of a frustration because I thought I painted them the same. Actually, they're, they're technically painted better. Um, the blending's a lot nicer, but they're actually slightly different, which was a frustration once I finished them. So something to be said, even though I wrote down the colours, my technique had changed slightly. Um, so you are talking about something that was painted about seven months separately because i didn't realize the other day till we actually started fetty in august last year so that's quite a while now um and um it kind of works my benefit though because i've got two units but they're slightly different so i can actually tell the difference on the tabletop which is actually really beneficial when they're stood next to each other yeah i can see that i can see that you need to differentiate if they're close together on the table yeah so would you would you notice they're different when they're displayed if they're the other a distance apart? So no, 
Yeah, I don't think you would. If they were stood next to each other, you would notice if you were looking. Yeah. Which I think I suppose. So it's kind of so it's quite a subtle difference then. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, and then with the run up to South Coast, what I wanted to do was um, I needed to up up my filth quota in my Zinch list. Um, as most people know, Zinch, generally speaking, they're all good choices. Um, but a, a big piece of that was I wanted to paint the Lord of Change. Um, he was also going to coincide with my this month. So this is May's Fetty contribution. So I couldn't actually start him until the 1st of May. So South Coast was last weekend. Um, so what I decided to do was um, I wrote my list. I ended up after adding all the bits and bobs, I ended up with a, a nice succinct 220 points. Who, for those who don't know, Gaunt Summoner plus Bearwind comes to exactly 220 points. It may be lovely filth, but it's not that expensive. Um, so I painted up the Gaunt Summoner, uh, which I really enjoyed. And you included Paul. A couple of people said you you know you'll enjoy painting the familiars more than you will the Gaunt Summoner. Actually. It goes to the sculpt on that model because I really enjoyed it. Um, it feels like you're probably going to be painting quite a lot of different colours, but the areas on it, so you've got the cloak, the armour, kind of the head and the staff, um, that's it really. You don't have, it's strange for a Zinch model, it doesn't have too much decoration on it. So I was really happy to paint him up. Um, and then I worked on the four little familiars, which were fun, but I kind of got where I painted them all different elements, my colour scheme, all different colours. I was getting a bit fed up with painting like, all these different colours. Um, so I got him done. Uh, then I did my, uh, then I could start on my Lord of Change, um, which I really struggled with, if I'm honest. Um, it's a hell of a model to paint. Um, and I essentially given myself a week to do it in. Um, so I started strongly by using the airbrush. Um, I'd chosen the lighter blue. So again, with my Zinch army, I'd used scale 75 um, paint, used the bearing blue as the base coat. Got it all done, did the transitions, did my zenithals, whatever, and did a green fade out onto the tip of the wings. And I was just painting the model and just wasn't happy with it. You know, it didn't look right, it looked too blue. So actually, I went back to a tip that Byron had when he came on on episode um, a Hobby Chat with, with Byron Ord. Byron said, don't be afraid to go back with the airbrush. And I did exactly that. I went back and added more green to the wings. Solved that straight away. And it was still a monumental task. There is so much detail on that model. It is something else. But got him finished within the deadline. Really happy with him. Um, I do want to go back to the feathers. They're all dry brushed at the moment, which you can do with that model. But I want to go back and edge highlight it. But that's a massive task. Ask him. Ask Terry Pike about that. And um, I finished up by having to paint a bearwind. Um, which again, unfortunately, I've got an airbrush, so quickly airbrushed all that up. Uh, a couple of washes, a couple of a uh, couple of dry brushes, and some uh, and some technical paints. I've got myself a cheeky little bare wind. And then the final thing was, for those who haven't seen, with my Zinch army, uh, unless you've seen it in person, you don't actually get the full effect of the army. The reason for that is all my models have little bases, uh, little bases, uh, little mirrors on the bases, and what that is, and um, to kind of reveal this, a lot of people have asked. I use literally it's A4 craft um, sticky backed mirrors. You know, it's just an A4 sheet. It's like kids craft stuff. It's nothing. So I cut that out. I stick it on some plastic card. I cut that out. I stick it on the bases. That's it. That's, there's no more to it than that. I cover it up with the snow. I edge black highlight some of it where, where, where it's clearly on show. But what that means is that it, it kind of glints. I mean, I know you've seen it in person, Paul. Would you agree? I'm hoping that comes across. It kind of glints at you. Oh yeah, no. It, it when you look at it, it's I'm trying to think the best way. 
it's kind of as if not it doesn't look like mirrors from a distance it looks like little diamonds almost yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if that's the right way to, to kind of describe it it kind of twinkles which is yeah what i wanted so the plan was as well is to play with that a little bit for the display board um which the display board just failed i didn't have enough time i was rushing so that all got sacked off in the end for two squares of mdf sprayed black which actually i'm quite happy with i think it works really well opposed to say the black cloth which has become quite prevalent because it's a very it's a very clean area to display display your models and it kind of shows the painting off the best it, it looks quite professional i would say yeah i was i was i was quite happy with that and I almost feel like i could edge it slightly and you know it looked quite good but what i did do is i got a very cheap i think it was five ten pounds off ebay i got a a mood light which kind of it changed it pulsed it didn't pulse it changed colors um managed to mount it on uh, a piece of terrain i had which was an old skull which has been in about three different pieces of terrain so far and it just sat behind the army and just gave a bit of light so as it changed again it just kind of played with this effect of mirrors and everything so that was that was my kind of journey to to south coast um and uh, i think we'll, we'll take a little break there i've talked enough for a, for, for a hobby interview and um we'll kind of get back to south coast and what what, what happened really because it was pretty fucking exciting Right, back in a minute. And we're back from a little break. Um, so we've mentioned mine and Paul's prep for South Coast GT. Uh, unfortunately, Ian wasn't in attendance this year, uh, resting on those laurels after winning. You, did you win Best Painted last year? I think that was the case. Uh, yes, last year and the year before. Yeah, all right, just drop that in Ooh, as well. Yeah. Just two, rub it in. Yeah. Two years in a row, yeah. <sighs> Yeah, do a mic drop. <laughs> you could literally just do a mic drop. Well. Yeah. That'd be amazing. <laughs> um, are you considering next year? Any any thoughts about yeah. South Coast next year? Yes, I think I'll be there next year. Okay. Um, I might have gone... I think it's going to be the daughters. I think I've, I've decided to go full Matt Clark with the army. Highlander. So, One of them. Yeah. One of everything so i'm hoping to get that done by nice. then that's awesome i'm interested so, to see you using that army because it is not a soft army at all yeah it probably is in my hands yeah i don't know it's yeah. inherently good so i'd be surprised it's pretty decent it just fights everything it wants to fight doesn't yeah. it yeah yeah definitely so um south coast 2018 as of itself um so there was a couple of changes to south coast this year um which i think ended up affecting well it, it i don't think it ended up affecting numbers so we we've known um south coast as an event historically which is which has put which has been 200 consistently 200 attendees pushing higher um most certainly in the heyday of of eighth and um since the you know the rise of aos it's been building back up but this year it's kind of it has suffered a bit and really to be honest through no fault of its own the venue was booked on the usual dates that want to run the event so we've got a date change the date that they had available for it around the same time as Warhammer Fest. For those who don't follow it, Warhammer Fest is basically their version of Golden Demons. So same thing, it's their big event for the year, same weekend. Um, we've also got a newer event starting up, um, I think last year was its first one. So you've got the London GT, the London AOS GT is a 40k event running alongside as well. That's this weekend. So there's an awful lot going on and people can only stretch themselves so far. But I think we, they can still say they had 100, 100 people turn up. So it was 100 people 
there both days for the event. So that is still a fantastic turnout. Um, a bit frustrating that this. I mean, any other event would be it would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, that no, that you know, to have an event with a hundred people where there was no dropouts. You know, they they had dropouts. They were expecting, I think, about 140. Um, you know, they did deposits for the tickets. And some people had fully played. So, example, Diesel disappointingly dropped. Um, he went with Chris yeah. to go and play Magic the Gathering, which was... Very brought... disappointingly, as I packed an entire army for him the night before. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. In Ricky's car. And then uh, Diesel's not here. He actually told the organisers before he told you, which is interesting. That's very un-Diesel-like. So Chris dropped out somewhat at the last minute, um, went and played Magic the Gathering, which just disgusts me and disgusts many a person at uh, at South Coast. Um, So, you know, there were quite a few familiar faces not there, um, even from our group, you know, the likes of Aaron Bailey, who's turned up in in years past and just, just played because they needed a player to play. So, you know, from our group, a bit disappointing that, you know, some of the people dropped out. You had none of the Sigbra guys. We got no Tom Hewitt dropped, and he also went and played Magic. So, yeah, there was a lot going on, and I think, you know, Malpro, uh, I know Chris hates that, but Malign Portent was announced that they used two scenarios and a, a particular uh, way of interpreting the the, the the rules for that being used in game, um, which I think was great. I mean, I, I'm not a big, not a massive fan of using the the portents and everything in match play games, but it's nice to do something a little bit different. Um, interestingly, it surprised me actually. Jen, who, who I mentioned before, she's my wife. She plays my Stormcast armies, um, and all credit to Russ. She actually really enjoyed playing the different unique scenarios last year. Um, she said she really liked the challenge of just playing something new and fresh and feeling like it was a bit more of a level playing field with the opponent because, you know, it's easy to get loads and loads and loads and loads of games in of match play scenarios. So she really enjoyed that. So I, I would definitely say take that away as something in the future where the newer players are saying, actually, we like the different scenarios that have their own unique rules that are a little bit fruity, that kind of have secondary win conditions and secondary objectives they're coping with it so i was quite surprised by that so i definitely want to mention that as feedback kind of for, for future years basically keep doing stuff different and you're not going to please everybody it's one of the basic rules of life really no one not everybody's ever always going to be happy At the end of the day if you don't want to play malign portents you don't want to fork out a tenner for the book because realistically that's what the cost is it's 10 to 12 yeah. quid just don't go don't go on Twitter and bitch and moan about it for you know, numerous times for for over weeks, and because you're having an impact on other people's enjoyment. Because I don't want to see it, and none none of the people who are turning up want to see it either. You know, if you're unhappy with it, say to the organisers, let you know. I'm not buying a ticket because I don't want to pay for this, and I'm not happy with these scenarios being paid. That's it. That you know, you, you pay with your feet, and people may well have done that this year because they only had 100 people and part of that's got to be attributed to the fact that they ran malign portent so it's probably going to impact them you know what they do in the future i hope it doesn't but it could well be a factor so um so south coast 100 players it's close to us portsmouth um it's six games which i'm very happy with because i love aos Uh, i know you were flagging a bit towards the end no i can't do six games now i'm too old for that it's just oh that last game is you think, ah, oh, that's it, right? We're all done at about four o'clock. <laughs> nope, you've got another game to go. I, I'm, I'm all up for the six games. Um, so yeah, six game format. Um, uh, you know, it, it's a good venue. Um, the ticket pricing got up this year, which is interesting, forty-five pounds. Um, you know, food and all the usual bits and bobs included. So I would definitely recommend, off the back of 2018, do make an effort to go to 2019 when they announce it next year. 
Um, 100% agree. I, I mean, no doubt. Absolute no doubt whatsoever that I'll, I'll be going again next year. And one of the things I want to say is that they, they also did like a, a bingo last minute. So it was all these different achievements you can get in games. So you get your opponent to yeah. sign off, you know, play somebody with a beard, roll a double one, you know, play Caradron, have somebody <laughs> moan about this. And there was some interesting bits on there, like learn. I quite like the things like learn about the Golden Golden Gate law. You know? Yeah, all the, all the gold blend. The gold blend gate, you know, where the yeah. price of the teas went up by a pound and stuff. You know, it, it's cool to have that because it kind of keeps the ethos of the old events going. And I know most certainly next year I'll be making a push to kind of get ourselves fully represented there as well. Um, so... Going to our focus, which obviously is the the painting and the hobby aspect of this, um, they are what what they do is you've got two people. Um, Dan's kind of I, I don't know if this is recent, but I know Dan used to necessarily used to be involved, but it's now Wayne Kemp of uh, the Healing Hammer uh, podcast, and then you've got um, Russ Veal, obviously great friend of ours um, of, of the Face Hammer podcast. Um, they do nominations for two categories for armies. So you get best best army, best painted, um, and then you always get coolest army, which I was lucky enough to win last year. Um, I was also nominated for best painted as well, which was which was great. So that was my Cthulhu army, which we, which we covered in detail previously. So the coolest is the idea that it kind of goes not above and beyond, but it takes a different approach. It builds that narrative. You know, you you look at an army and it, it tells you a story. So um, the people they held up for the painting nominations this year are, and I'll briefly mention their armies because there are photos up on the Twitter and I put them up on, um, there'll be a blog post to go alongside this. In addition to all of the army photos I've already put up on a blog post. So we've got Steve Wren and his disciples as each. Very striking army because he's got not one, not two, but three Lords of Change and and just for good measure, he's chucked in a Kairos as well. It's a really, really good army to look at. Really nice. And he's yeah. he what he's done interestingly with the Lords of Change is that he's actually done a lot of this zenithal spraying. So the idea of spraying from the bottom, uh, sorry, spraying from the top with a lighter colour. He's done it all with spray cans, not an airbrush. So you know, great way of doing something like that. And then you had Ben Johnson, who was representing with his uh, his daughters of Cain army again produced very quickly as paul was saying great 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 example of choosing colors that work very well so they've all got a dark skin tone for example very bright gold lovely army and then one army was very very happy to see in person which was ian hannon uh he brought his stormcasts uh, which have been causing a bit of stir on store on uh, twitter recently uh, the reason for that is um he's gone for a very vanguard themed army so the vanguard are the, the hunters the vanguard hunters and the paladors but he's even gone as far as converting things like judicators to have the have the cloaks and everything so looks really nice um, i'll go into his army a bit more detail um you also had uh, mike mike burgess who um he's kind of a, a regular kind of uh, friend of the show of, uh, of heel and hammer and he's got a, a sylvaneth army and actually it was interesting there was quite a, i was surprised there was quite a few sylvaneth armies there paul i don't know if you noticed that yeah no there, there were more than i beforehand i thought well, you might get one or two but they mm. reckon there were six yeah at more, least more than i've seen for a while and all painted to yeah a, to, to a good, a good standard, standard as well, yes. which is really good to see. So, so Mike had kind of is discovering an airbrush, and uh, you know, it's a very striking army. Particular highlight is bases, really, really nice bases, really nice snow bases. Um, I was lucky enough to get a nomination, so I was super happy with that with Mazinch, which are covered. So we mentioned that much more. Um, no shocker that Les Les Martin uh, of the Face Hammer podcast got nominated with his with his Stormcast army. 
um, it's Celestial Vindicators, which I, I think nowadays against the well, they are at the point where they're being overlooked quite a lot because they've been around for so long, but still worthy of you know nomination and awards. It really, really is. Yeah. Um, then we had um, we had David Fulbrook, one of our lads, so I'm sure he was super chuffed with the nomination. So Dave's got a very he's a, he's a fellow box art wanker. Um, there, Ian. Way. <laughs> Brilliant. Well done. So he's got a, nom- <clears throat> a very nice, a very nice Nurgle army. Um, I'm going to have a little bit of chat with him. I've said, you know, about kind of displaying his army for best effects because it was a bit of a scattergun. It didn't quite look right, didn't display it in its best way, but really, really, really nice. Um, then we had James Warth. Who the fuck's that, might you ask? Nobody Never knows who it is. Apparently, Andy actually turned up to an event game and went, oh, you're right, mate. Um, he goes, oh, we're playing on me. He goes, no, 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 I've got James Warth. We're actually talking about Jimbo is who we're referring to. So Jimbo 9 Jimbo, so Jimbo of the Jimbo and Mitzi show. Um, he was nominated with his Monster Mash Sylvaneth army. So rocking a Lariel, a Celestan Prime, uh, which is a conversion out of a 40k kit, and three Tree Lords. Uh, one Ancient and two Tree Lords, I think it is. Still mental. Still, yeah. Still mental. Um, and then we had, no surprise, Terry Pike was up for nominations um, with his mixed chaos list. So he's obviously recently finished his Grunt Clean one, which is fantastic. And then he's also gone and finished his Kairos, which he's been working on for the last seven months. And that is a phenomenal, oh, absolutely yeah. phenomenal model. I was dreading getting drawn against Terry in case he put it on the board anywhere near me. Yeah. Because I literally wouldn't want to... Oh, just imagine knocking that over if you're playing no. or something. It's just Jen doesn't bear thinking about. Jen was the same. She didn't want to go near the army. Um, so th- that was it. And then we also had um, Dan as the painting. Now, it was uh, I was told originally he was down for the coolest, but actually Ricky was nominated. So Ricky Me, formerly of the Black Sun, one of our club guys, he was nominated for painting as well. Uh, in a similar vein to, um, uh, to Mike, um, he's got a, a what, what I would call an airbrush army, so it's clever use of the airbrush, not a technically proficient way of using it, but a clever one with dry brushes and kind of strong basing that, that works really well. Um, now, uh, this is interesting because I'm reading from the list that was given to uh, given to me by Dan. So coolest nominations were Ben Smith, um, so awesome chap who did a, a painstakingly christmas themed mixed destruction list with stone horns with red noses yeah, really clever really clever what he did with that yeah I think. Uh, all his goblins had little candy cane weapons so that was, that was really cool uh yeah Pete... he did his own little um uh booklet didn't he, he did. with all the rules for everything had been changed so yeah. instead of instead of like the the rules for the ogre butcher it, it all been changed so you got you got candy cane to death or something i can't remember but it was really clever <laughs> Yeah, yeah, really, really cool. And um, you also had the Pete Pete Scully up there. Um, Pete's kind of a, a very old school uh, AOS player, been around you know a long time. Uh, represents a lot up north, um, and he had a, a Death Army, which was you know quite nicely converted. Wasn't a massive fan of his take on Nagash. Um, it kind of harkened back to maybe the the older version, but he actually converted a Mortarian. Um, you know, so that was very cool, very, oh, right. okay. very different. It wasn't quite. I think the head maybe jarred it a little bit for me. It wasn't quite right, but 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 good nevertheless. Um, then there was Ben, Ben Van Brule, um, and he completely wowed me by bringing out this massive slanesh themed display board, which was like a like a marbled palace almost. You know, with flickering lights in it. His basing all matched this. It was all. It was like a raised yeah. temple in the in the shape of the slanesh symbol. So fair play for. It was it was proper Bishmeister esque, I would say. Yeah. Gonna, it, was, it was it was it was it was definitely in that kind of level of grandness. 
yep no i totally i i i i I saw it having not seen anything about it previously you know absolutely whatsoever and um you know it really really struck me as as a fantastic army and um the final person that went down for um a nomination um which interestingly i can't quite put the name to an army which was um which was john williams i don't know if any of you chaps um, isn't john the guy with the um corn army um I don't think he is. I've got to be honest. No. I've, I'm flicking through the photos I've actually taken off the event, and I really cannot see any army that I could attribute to John Williams. So that's quite interesting. I'm not quite sure if that's that's an error. Um, he's got. Well, we'll say John. You're on the painting rankings. Um, I've added your name on there. Um, but yeah, it was the one army that I couldn't put I couldn't put a finger on. So if anyone does know, please do hit me up on Twitter and share the photos, and I'll make sure it goes up on the blog post. But yeah, um, it could well be one that I missed. Maybe he displayed it later, or we ran out of time, or I'm not quite sure. Um, so the run of the riders ended up being now my my personal uh, choices for these. I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you mine. Um, Ian, did you see all the nominations go up? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm very so sure. For me. Yeah, go I from the, seeing the photos on Twitter. My if I was a betting man, I would have put money probably on Terry. I think. What about you? Totally because of, what about your top three? If you have to choose them, you don't have to do um, the Stormcast. That's Ian Hannon. Yep. Terry and toss between you and Les for third, possibly oh. Les. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure me and Les would like a little toss off. <laughs> I was waiting yeah. for that comment. <laughs> uh, Paul, what about, what about yourself? What, well, was, what was your top three? I was there, so it's, it's tricky. Um, I think... So I, I really like Jimbo's Army. Yep. Mr. Wolf, so I think that would have been in my top three. Um, Terry's got to be up there. Mm-hmm. You're always a contender. You don't, um, you don't have to flatter my ego. It's personal choice, mate. <sighs> I, I, I like Dave's army as well. I think he's done a really good job with it. But you're yeah. right; it looked, it wasn't displayed very well at all. But Dave's not been to many events. He's not really no, in not. the the full swing of it yet. Agreed. Agreed. Um, yes, it goes to show, so, you know, with, with this being judges' vote, um, that you know the, the players' votes can be quite quite wildly different. Yes. Yeah. Even with just two people. Well, my personal choices were, and again, I couldn't choose an order, uh, which was Terry with his mixed chaos, Les with his stormcasts, and Ian Hannon with his stormcasts. Um, and the way it actually ended up was very, for me, me- mega surprising. Um, we ended up with Terry in third place with his mixed chaos. Um, I think an element of that might be that um, I don't think Russ is the biggest fan of his, his overall colour scheme. So maybe that had an impact. I think his display board's too small nowadays, um, and he actually suffers from it. It's quite cramped. That's one of the things I said to him. I don't know if you guys thought the same. It was all kind of it felt like it was shoved on there. I couldn't really tell from the photos. Um, so I, I think Terry's maybe suffers a bit like Les's does because it's they, people have seen it. Well, I guess it's not player voted, but it's it's been out there for quite a while. Yeah. So maybe that comes into it as well. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that is a factor as well. 
Um, I mean, I mean, the Kairos. It's interesting with Kairos because Kairos is painted to a phenomenal. You know, that is a golden yeah. level. And people were asking it's... me, um, you know, could you paint to that level? And you know, well, the answer is yes. But realistically, do I think I ever will? Don't think I ever will. I don't think I have that drive. I, th- I think that's painting to that standard is more about patience than anything else. Yeah, I agree. Having that ability to sit there and just work on the same part of the model for hours and hours and hours without going, yeah, that's all right, that'll do. And it was all done in sub-assemblies yeah. as well. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, so Terry took third place, which I, which I think he was quite... He was quite happy with as well because I don't think he actually thought he'd be in contention. So you know, fair, fair play, fair play to, uh, to Terry for that army because it is it is a fantastic army. I mean, he wouldn't adept, he wouldn't adept to come with it without Kairos. Um, then in second place you had Ian, so Ian Hannon and his Stormcast. Um, these I'm a massive fan of. Um, he's done a very cold. So they're a black and gold um, Stormcast army, and he's done a very cold gold. Um, so he's highlighted quite strong, strongly up on the silver side, which I really liked, and then uh, done the you know the, not usual but kind of the, the the kind of effect I would do, which is the glazing with glazing with um, with a purple. Um, but he's also got like freehand stripes painted, you know, on the pallor doors. Um, you know, no details been less. It's one of those armies where you look at it and it is almost like a GW display level army because they are just all round spot on. Literally look like they could have walked out the fluff. There was absolutely, you know, it was faultless. Beautiful army, beautiful army. Um, and then I was met, I was utterly shocked, and I do mean it, I was really, really surprised to win first place. Um, and people did remark they. I just looked absolutely um, dumbfounded. <laughs> you were a bit dazed, I think, when well, you went to collect your award. Well, because we were supposed to be doing that that stupid trade of lids, which I thought was going to be a permanent thing. I still had a bloody plastic tray in my hand, and then they called me up, and I was like, "Oh, I was like, fuck." So yeah, um, I was just amazed that I won the first place at South Coast. I mean, it's. It's great to win painting trophies, but then winning something because South Coast is, you know, uh, you know, is a big achievement for me. I mean, I won the coolest last year, and then to come and win best painter this year. I mean, I was very pleased with my army, but was under no illusions that you know it, it doesn't have wacky conversions in it. You know, it. I, I'm happy it's all painted to a good standard, and I've got a couple of tricks in there, and it's some different units that you don't necessarily always see, but kind of to be picked out and recognised for for that army is. It is a massive personal achievement and to be honest the thing that I like the most about it happening is that I'm, I'm hoping people will you know talk to me about it I want to share kind of my approach to doing this army and that's one of the reasons why I do this podcast so you know if you do see me at future events and I was doing an awful lot at South Coast we met a lot and I've met a lot of new guys um, who I hadn't really seen at events before it, you know it was really good to introduce myself to them and uh, I had six fantastic games and you know to kind of have those conversations around painting and how did you do this and how would you approach this and making something unique and it's actually the first army and I do mean this and I don't know if you guys I don't feel like either of you paint like this but it's the first army I painted for myself if that makes sense yeah that makes sense that's the it's what I do I try to do with every army Mm. I don't think I've Um, ever done it historically I don't, no, it doesn't work. I don't quite get what you mean, I have to say. So I've, it's almost like when you paint an army or do an army, deciding that you're going to do 
like a gimmick or something. So something slightly different or something that you think other people will see that you're not completely invested in, but you'll think it'll look cool. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, I know I know what you mean. I don't quite, like... but no, it doesn't. <laughs> See, <laughs> it doesn't. Sorry, Matt. That's right. No, well, I've always been one of those people who, when I do an army, I, I use a lot of inspiration. So, you right. know, my old Dark Elf June army, which I was really, which I was really proud of, and came off a is literally a copy and paste of a Dark Elf um, uh, color scheme that I saw, um, and then I put in the worms. Right. So, it's kind of things I saw thought, oh, that looked really cool. Could I turn that into an army that people would like to look at? And then I kind of did it. Whereas with, okay. with the Zinch, it was from from day one. It's like I want to do Zinch. Like everyone does Zinch, really popular. You get flack for doing Zinch. But it's like you know what? Fuck off. I want to paint a Zinch army. I want to play a Zinch army. Um, and that's what I've done since since the start. I tried okay. some new paints out, and that's I've wanted to field a Zinch army. And I said it on Twitter that there was a lot of inspiration to the army in regards to actually just painting the models. So it wasn't. I didn't look at something and go right. I want to use that going forward but when i was painting my sky fires uh, i did my first one which i wasn't happy with after a dull coated it and i actually referenced back to photos of terry's that he'd done and i took elements from those and went actually that's a good idea in doing this that's a good idea doing that and then seeing chris and aaron use their uh, zinch army and how they'd approach the painting on that again it really inspired me to go I can go a bit further. I can paint mine better than that. I'm not saying theirs are not badly painted models at all, but I wanted to say, well, I can do that and I can do it in my own way and do it better. And, okay. And, you know, all three of those people specifically have been a very strong um, reference point for kind of doing this army. Um, and then you've got the other side of, you know, the face hammer boys, are the ones that put me down the road of even using the scale 75 paints, you know, as part of the yeah. arcs. My original plan was to use four, just do a, a limited palette, use those four colours, and that was it. Um, but after I started painting my first Skyfire, I realised I got about 37 different paints <laughs> yeah. out. So you're going to uh, need more than four for those. Boys. Yeah, that idea quickly went down the bin. So, you know, it's, I'm kind of rambling slightly, but I would, it, it to me, it's kind of almost like a revelation that I've managed to win quite a, a prestigious um, painting award. And actually, it's an army that I painted because I wanted to paint it. Okay. You know, for me, I wanted to do it. I, I and, think why I struggle it, to understand what you're saying is because I don't think I've ever painted for someone else or no. for some other reason i've only ever painted an army because i want that army for reasons for myself sure i think and i don't think Do it's you... a common thing no i think the i as i said before i, I paint for myself i either want to try something new or i want to perfect a technique or i just for whatever reason i've got an idea and i want to do an army yeah so i follow it through with that army for because I like the idea and I think that comes quite often the it shows in the end result that if you're doing it just for your own personal pleasure then you'll end up with a better result than if you're trying to impress other people yeah I I agree and I think an element of that has been with Fetty as well um, because again, you know, with with the people involved, and um, because we've had that time scale, because I've been working on the Zinch army now for nine months, you know, that's not a small amount of time. 
Um, you know, I, I have pushed myself a bit more with the painting, which, which I'm super pleased with. Um, so yeah, anyway, I won first place. Woo, brilliant, fantastic. Very, very happy. You know, thanks a million to the guys for choosing me. So that's awesome. Um, and coolest was actually won by Mike, Mike Burgess, who we mentioned about Sylvanath Army. So I did, there are videos on YouTube. If you search for Heel and Hammer, they've got videos of, um, kind of walk arounds and, and chats. And one of them is, is a bit of a chat with Mike about his army. And, um, he, it's very striking. It's very striking. Oh, yeah. And he's, yeah. he's just got an airbrush and this is the first time he's done with it. So he's used it to, you know, create all these fades, all these transitions. Now, it is one of those armies where, I mean, I was, I don't want to be critical of it. It's not the right word. But, um, you know, both him and Ricky both have the armies where they are, they look cool and they're striking. They are very, they're very straightforward in regards to wear brushing. He's shown some good control. The blends are good, but for me, I, you know, we people who use an airbrush, we can churn that out very quickly. You know, it, it doesn't take a lot of. There's not a lot of technical skill involved. So fair place for, for doing it and using it. I mean, I think Mike's strength is the basing work particularly well with it as well. Um, and he hadn't, yeah, the basing really helped it, I would say. Yeah, and he hadn't gone overboard, and he'd, he'd spent the time on things like Alariel and picked out the details and really made her stand out. So he actually walked away with Coolest. So, so fantastic. I'm, I'm not quite sure what the criteria was for that this year, but they, maybe they literally went, "What's the coolest looking army we've got?" And they, they went with, they literally just went with Mike. So, you know, kudos. That's that's a brilliant trophy to uh, to win. And um, I think for next year, I might go back to my Coolest roots. I'm contemplating it. I've got some ideas. Cause I like the idea of doing a silver tower, not silver tower, doing a city of secrets army. So something I'll consider for the future. Um, so yeah, well done for him. Then they also did have that. I'll mention it briefly because it's their thing, but they have the painting competition. So basically they have unit, single hero, monster, and the open category. So the open category was won by uh, Matt, Matt Rogers, which is first tournament. And he painted with a very nice uh, chaotic Imperial Knight. And I had the pleasure of playing him on one of the games. And lovely guy. Um, then you had the the, the unit category was won by Ian, Ian and his um, his Paladors. Which again, Ian Hannon's Palador, really nice. Patterning on them, everything beautiful. Um, I beat the other monster people in the monster category. So I was unsure where to put my Lord of Change. I almost didn't put it in, but I put it right next to Terry's. So I won that category and beat Terry in that category. I just like to point that out. <laughs> like to point that out. And then the individual character went to um, uh, that was Les uh, with his Heraldor, really really nice model. Um, and I had mine in there as well. My storm. No, actually, I have my Gaunt Summoner in there. Maybe I could have put mine in. I could have put my Heraldor in. Um, and then um, I, I'm teasing Terry slightly because actually best in show. So the best the best model put into all those categories um, was won by um, his his Kairos, which. Yeah, that was. I, I think that was kind of a. Yeah, there wasn't much to challenge that in terms of the level there. It was just head and shoulders above everything else I saw on those tables. Definitely. So that's been very well recognised. Um, so what we'll do, we'll finish on the idea of um, we've got an event coming up. So I have, I kind of mentioned this, um, you know, what the plans for the future. Um, so we've got um, Curtain Games coming up, which will be next weekend as of releasing this episode. So we've got another one day of there. Again, sold out. Brilliant. Um, and yep. so my Zinch list had a um, Harbringer in there. I don't like the, the War Queen. I think she looks like a dinner lady. I think it's just a shit model. 
Um, so I converted up the Dark Oath Chieftain to look like a Kyrak Acolyte, so it fits that theme. Um, and there's no real reason. I, I took it for a narrative reason for South Coast. It didn't give me any benefit whatsoever. Um, but I don't feel like it's essentially a needed element for the army going forward. Um, so I'm thinking of dropping the Ten Acolytes. Shocker. I know. They're amazing, Matt. Why are you dropping army. them? Lynchpin in my army. They're fine, to be honest. I wouldn't necessarily drop them if it wasn't for the fact that I can drop those two and I can pop in um, Ten Zangor because I want my Zinch list to kind of develop over time. So I'm then considering doing 20 Zangor for the final month of, um, of Fetty um, so I can run the unit at 30, you know, with some Skyfires and, and Enlightened and run around like a spaz enjoying that um so that's that's my plan going forward for curtains So potentially 10 zangor in a week could be a big ask um, yeah paul, what about yourself paul any plans um i have i'm not painting anything for it it'll be something i've done already so i think i might take my soul grinders okay yeah, they might go that. or potentially the other option would be my stormcast my lightning echelon oh that'd be a good shout that's a particularly good one. So the Lightning Echelon is a Stormcast army, which is all Dracoths based. Um, yeah, it's eight Dracoths. Yeah, it's, it's something else. Very tough. And um, Ian, when's your next event? What have you got? Uh, next event is Blackout. It's going to be in, Blackout, is it? That's the next one, yeah. And, and you're hoping to take... Um, no. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh no. no. Um, I'm either going to take my Nurgle and possibly paint a great and clean one mm-hmm. or, I awesome might take, or i might paint um nothing for the iron jaws yeah i i personally um, would would look like to see your nurgle even without the lord of change yeah. lord change even without the great and clean one i'd like to see a nurgle um but i completely understand that if you do take the iron jaws it means you aren't distracting yourself from painting your daughter's cane so a little bit from yes. column a a little bit from column b yeah, I'm not sure if I could face doing the just the base coat with a brush yeah. on the great and clean one of Raka Flesh because I was mm. soul destroying on yeah. the Glotkin. Yeah. I know the feeling. That, that, so, that's a big ass, mate. It's really not that far away. Yeah, so um, so I'd probably just be um, not lazy but sensible and just take the Iron Jaws, which has got nothing to do. Mm. So, yeah, no good shout. Yeah. Have you used them with the yeah. new Allegiance stuff yet? I have, yeah. It's, it's, well, it, It'll be all um, new rules anyway for Blackout, won't it? Oh, so, shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. Fresh as a daisy, fresh yeah. as a daisy. Um, so one thing I wanted to give a quick shout-out to is that um, laser engraving trophies. Um, I've had... Thank you for all the events that have contacted me and requested trophies. I'm, at the moment, going to be withdrawing my um, support for the 123 painting because it seems to be something people completely understand and taking up. Um, I'm doing some trophies for um, an event in Ireland in June, actually. Um, so I'll give a little shout-out. It's the um, AOS uh, Ulster Open. Uh, I was in contact uh, with them by um, by Donal. Um, so I'm doing a, a category trophy for those guys. So that's that's great for me to support those. Um, and one of the reasons why is that going forward, um, I'm going to be uh, kind of moving into a commercial aspect of uh, providing trophies and tokens and all those shenanigans. So keep your eyes open and ears open for that in the future, because that's going to be tied in with uh, that's going to be all under the pro painted um, brand, I guess. So, yeah, we have some cool stuff all coming out um, pretty much should coincide with um with AOS 2, so I'm really mega excited about that. 
And uh, going forward, Paul, if anyone wants to contact you or is interested in kind of following your progress um, outside of uh, outside of this podcast, um, uh, obviously you're quite prevalent on Twitter. Do you remember your? Yeah, that's the best place at Warhammer GC or one word. Awesome, awesome. And um, you know, I, I know that you're you're one of those who are very much fond of kind of getting new blood in, as if you would. So if you are in the, the Dorset area. Um, and you are interested in checking out Paul's amazing club, do do get in touch with either Paul on Twitter or ourselves. We'll put you in contact with yeah. Paul and, you know, we'll do the background checks um, and uh, kind of go from there. <laughs> but, <laughs> background checks, what you mean? If they, pa- they pass a background check, they're not welcome. Is that basically, basically yeah. If you've, got, if you've got a clean history, yeah. no, no chance, fuck off. We're like having you in, though. No, narcs, narcs. Um, yeah, so awesome. Thanks for coming on, Paul. Um, I know this has been delayed yeah, by a week. Pleasure, man. Um, but it's been great to have you on for that different perspective. Ian, always as always, great to hear your um, your. Uh, you know what? I genuinely said Irish for a second there. Your Irish tones, but they're not Irish. They're Welsh. Welsh, they are. Welsh. Thank you, man. Welcome. So next episode will be me, Rob, and Ian, <laughs> and I reckon we're going to have loads and loads of AOS content to record because there's going to be. Yeah. For those who don't know, we're we'll have a community overflowing doing with it daily. Daily reveals oh. in the lead up to AOS 2 at the end of yeah. June. Priority stays. That's what we yes. learned today. Yeah, that's what we, we, were. we were all very happy with that. Yeah, I think that's a good a good change. Expected. You you touted it. Yeah, hundred percent. Definitely yeah. the right thing. But thanks again, guys. Great episode. No problems. And uh, expect to hear from us again in a couple of weeks. And it's bye from me. Bye. Bye. bye.